Welcome to the No Pressure Podcast with Ehab, where we elevate the education importance and prevention of pressure injuries. Because when prevention meets progress, patients and healthcare workers are protected. On this episode of the Ehab No Pressure Podcast, Christy and Deborah sit down with Kelly Moed, a certified nursing professional development practitioner with 35 plus years of experience in the acute care setting. They continue their discussion about Kelly's passion, safe patient handling and mobility. Specifically, her perspective on education, from onboarding to hands-on experience to skills assessment checklists. We had legislation passed in 2014 that said in New York, you had three years to get your programs up and running. I was asked to be a part of this Department of Health. It was called a work group. It was a safe patient handling work group. And I had to go into Manhattan every week we met as a group and it wasn't clinicians. It was people that were going to be enforcing the law. It was people that were clinicians who were helping to build. There were other people like me picked out of the state. And it was not that many people in the entire state of New York that did mm. what I did. And that's how I got a lot of opportunities to help create and fix and help people move forward and to say to them, it's okay. Just start somewhere. Start with a slide sheet. If you take away the friction underneath the patient, because friction is work, I would go around to frontline workers. I was asked by a lot of the unions to, once the law was passed, to come and educate their staff and say, could you just train them a bit to get them to understand what this law even is, what safe patient handling is? And I guess my introduction was what I'm just discussing with you, the constant repetitive lifting, moving, pushing, pulling, repositioning your patients. That's what's hurting you. Whether it, And it's something that you're doing on a daily basis. And when I say to the clinicians, you just need to advocate for something simple because your C-suite is not going to go for the whole thing. They're not going to try to do a housewide training and get everything all together. They should, and they have to now that there's a law. If you're talking in general, get a committee together. So as a consultant, I've worked in a number of facilities to go in and meet with them, pull together a team. So on okay. your team, you want clinical people, the highest leadership in nursing, some middle management. You want to have your employee health so that they could recognize this is a workforce safety issue. You need to have human resources so they could pull all the data, your workers' comp people, so they could start looking at injury trends and procurement, people that are in charge of purchasing equipment, why it does make sense to buy this product because it's going to, in the end, decrease the number of staff injuries, the associated costs. So your committee, so what happens is as a consultant, I'd come in and I would educate the committee and I'd say, hey, listen, this is our job. This is it what I discussed earlier. The problem is we have a crazy amount of injuries for staff. It's all over the country. It's not just our facility, but we can make a difference. We can cut our injury rates way down, make staff safe for patients. So the way that we do this is we look at the current process. We find out what are the trends, take that data. One of the most common injuries occurs from repositioning patients in the bed, pushing and pulling on a regular basis boosting or repositioning. All right. That alone is the most cited injury for healthcare workers. And they're calling it healthcare lift injuries. And so like people don't even, that's not even a lift. I mean, it is a lift because you're doing a boost, but the bottom line is you can make a small change. If we, it's something like that, you don't have to invest in lifts. You can invest 
in something as simple as a slide sheet or something that you can move the patient in the bed just to, we boost patients all day long. If you were to take a healthcare worker and you're talking about that 1.8 tons, Deborah, that a healthcare worker lifts in one shift, well, most of that is done. It's not like you're lifting the patient out of the bed and putting them into the chair all day long. You can, but a lot of it happens in the bed. It's called bed mobility. Something simple is get your, find someone, okay? This is for a clinician or even any at any level. Just find someone, an individual leader. Find out what they respond to. Do they respond to money? Your CFO. So you have, you pull your workers' comp data and you say, hey, you know, this is what's happening. We're losing all this money, all this money out the back door because staff's getting injuries. And you know what? It is preventable. It's preventable harm. Then maybe look at another. If someone's not about the money, they're about mobility. Then you say, hey, you know, safe patient healing and mobility. We're getting our patients up and moving sooner. So that mm-hmm. means better outcomes, safer patients, decreased falls. Or you look at your CNO. Do you want to retain your staff? Do you want to recruit staff? Well, then get a safe patient handling program. If your staff feels that they're working in a safe place, they feel cared for. Your staff needs to feel the love. They need to feel cared for. So if you're going to let them become injured on top of all this mental stress, now they become injured and have an injury where they can't even carry on with their personal life or their professional life. Well, guess what? Now they're even more mentally beaten because they have an injury. And why? It could have been preventable. If if you have a program in place, or even if you just have devices, it's not just having devices available. It's education. Your staff on the devices and how to use them correctly, Correct. right? How to use them correctly and use them appropriately. Because people, if you go to where I mentioned earlier, the, your patient that weighs a hundred pounds and you think, ah, it's okay. I'll just do it. No big deal. Yeah. I'll, I can do it myself. It's not a problem. It's it's that's the mindset. And it's a mindset that it occurs to a lot of healthcare workers. They just say, you know, let me, it's okay. I can do it. It's like an aching back is considered part of a job. They just think that it's, this is, it's accepted. It's just, they just think it's okay. My gosh. And it's not, no, it's not. Okay. (laughs) The clinicians don't know what they don't know. And then the management, same thing. If they just keep saying, well, we just writing off the, the cost of doing business with all the the associated dollars, you know, whether, whether it's workers comp or medical costs or retain, like even having to replace a worker. If they start to look at these things, they'll realize it makes sense to just start to even infuse devices and some training into the facility and watch the trends, put a committee together. There's a national steering committee through IHI Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And they have a white paper that was put out this year and it's called safer together and safer together is saying that we should have interprofessional training and they're recommending even specifically noted in there is safe patient handling because it's noted that it's decreasing falls and decreasing patient injuries. It's actually helping with patient skin because if you have devices that you're using to reposition the patient's then pressure injuries can even be decreased. There's all kinds of studies out there. And this current white paper, Safer Together, it's, um, it's available online. And it's got, like I said, it's one of the most current articles. This National Steering Committee is, is a federal, state, all kinds of legal people um, and from organizations. They put their heads together and realized 
We need a national action plan and we need to keep the workers safe and we need to improve joy in work. Improving joy in work, something that was noted too is that get frontline staff involved in choices, making decisions on how care or, or, or say nursing practice is carried out. So I think that organizations are doing that. And so it might be a little bit, I know it sounds crazy, but a little bit easier than when I was first trying to implement safe patient handling, because now there's in a good number of organizations, a forum for this. You have where they listen to the staff and you can come up with collaborative care projects, shared governance, and you can bring this information. So since you spearheaded your project in 2006, it's definitely become much easier, uh, specifically just as you had mentioned, these white papers from IHI, which we will happily link and uh, link to in this podcast. Thank you, Kelly. I personally appreciate and adore your passion for, for this topic. When you were mentioning the bed mobility, how many times a day would you say on average a staff would boost or turn and reposition a patient? Hmm. That might be a difficult question. It, it literally just occurred to me. I know it's encouraged to turn and reposition every two hours. So right. within an eight hour shift, we all mm-hmm. can do the math. Elevating head of bed, you're going to want to boost. Right. Just a question. I didn't, I didn't know if there was an average. To my knowledge, there's not an average. Um, okay. But as you said, if you take this, the, want to do simple math, if you're repositioning a patient every two hours, that would be for prevention of pressure injuries. Then on top of that, you're elevating the head of the bed and then it causes the patient sometimes to slide down. So you have to reboost them and depending what's going on with the patient, right? it's, it's safe to say, I mean, you can move some, I mean, I've had patients, you move eight to 10 times a day, even maybe more. I don't and that's just one patient. Exactly. So if you think about that 10 times just for one patient, mm-hmm. my goodness. Yeah. It's very physical. The job is very physical. If you have your, the nurses, nurses, aides doing this all day long and it depends on critical care. They're looking, they staff primarily with nurses. And so when you look at how much their critical care patient, for the most part, they may not be able to assist with this positioning in the bed. And so now you have a nurse who has gone to school, years of college, licensed, potentially certified, has all this knowledge and information, a valuable healthcare resource at the bedside. If they, you know, if they're out on disability for a short period of time, that they're, they have to be covered by another nurse with overtime and all that. Sure. And, and then potentially if they, lo- they could leave the bedside, they could out be out permanently. Two things I like to say. Number one is I don't want to just talk about the numbers, the dollars that an organization will lose because someone's becoming injured. To me, this is always very personal. This is like, I have a back injury and I know that it has changed my life significantly. And so when I hear, like I have to review as a, as a co-chair of the 
committee. I have to review all the injuries and, and try to see if it could have been prevented and what can we do better? And was equipment available? Was training there? Do we need to do something else? When I look at this, I'm not really interested in the dollars and cents. Although I just told you that it's important to get your C-suite to understand the dollars and cents. What drives sure. me is that I want to make sure I'm talking right now in this scenario about an ICU nurse, any staff member, they have a professional life. I mean, they could, this person could be a single mom with three children and a worker's comp dollars are nowhere near the salary of a nurse. I've had people that are out and they are just like desperate to go back to work. Part of a safe patient healing and mobility, part of the guidelines for ANA is that you have a return to work built into that so that someone could be on, say, a modified or a light duty. They don't really call it that anymore. They call it transitional work where they can come in and collect their salary. So that's awesome part of safe patient healing too, is that you're looking to get your workers back to work because the longer someone's out, and this is a whole other thing, the longer someone's out, the chances of them coming back to work are slim. And the slimmer and slimmer, the longer they're out. So I know I'm off the beaten path, off the, the no, path this is where good. going, but it, it's like, you, I'm getting back to you asking me how many times you're moving and it's a, who's moving. So you have this ICU nurse who now is injured. She's got to be on workers comp. It's affecting her personal life financially, but what about her personal life that she can't even get up and and do the thing. She can't even go grocery shopping. I know when I, I had um, a back injury from a slip, I did a slip at work. It was a mm. something overflowed. And the short version is I literally did a split and everyone clapped because I did a slip split. And I said, Oh, I don't know this, this was, <laughs> <laughs> and this was back in 2007. So I, I mean, I still remember the date, everything. It changed my life. I did this split and I pulled myself up. I was with an orientee. I was training nurses aides at the time and I pulled myself up on her and Ugh. I was so afraid of hurting her, but I couldn't get up from my split that I didn't even know what to do. And, oh. and then I just continued to work and I'm working with like, I had a uh, 10 nurses aides that I'm responsible for, you know, they're learning to give patient care and all that. I continue. And it was at lunchtime when I realized when I went to sit down, that something was very wrong. I literally, I started, I had such pain. I almost threw up and I oh. was white as a ghost. My coworker said, she thought I was, she, I was having a heart attack. I started to sweat. I had so much pain. I thought I had oh a groin pull and I was embarrassed because I did the split or whatever, but it ended up, I have a herniation of my disc. I was in and out of work for a while and it still affects my daily life. Oh and my gosh. And it, that was in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. It oh my still gosh. affects me. So it's not, I had to go for all kinds of physical therapy. That's where I developed a nice relationship with physical therapists. They're awesome. They need to be protected too, because they're using their bodies to move people. To, they need to protect themselves too. It's just, it's the whole package. Um, so not only did you spearhead this program, but you also experienced it firsthand yourself. Absolutely. And that's why uh -huh. I, don't look I mean, at the numbers I'm looking at the personal, the people, the people, and that's, I, I focus a lot of the education and training on the frontline staff because they have the right to know you can get hurt. It only, it, it's something that can be that, like as we discussed, repetitive, or it could be one crazy thing because the patient says, 
oh, honey, get me out of bed. You know, the, the, the staff, you know, on the night shift, they always do it for me. You can do it yourself. You can do it. Don't, don't, don't get the lift. Don't get the lift. I'll do it. And the next thing you know, the patient's on the floor on you and you're on the floor with them. It doesn't make sense. And I've seen so many, because I've had to review so many injuries, whether it's as a consultant or in my current position, I just think these are preventable. It's, you know, sometimes listen, it's healthcare, patients are unpredictable, things happen, but for the most part, we can prevent these things from happening. It's preventable harms, what they, what they, uh, coining it in that, uh, going back to that national action, there's things that we can prevent and we need to start looking that way. doesn't make sense. We would like to thank Kelly for sharing her valuable insights, knowledge, and experiences on safe patient handling and mobility. We appreciate you, Kelly, your passion, enthusiasm, and taking the time to provide clinicians an overview on how facilities can leverage nurse champions. Join us next week as Kelly shares her perspective on nurse champions. Thank you for listening to the No Pressure Podcast. If you have any questions about the material presented, please reach out to us on our website at ehub.com contact.